Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 30 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, but we all know them way better as DCU. And let's face it, we all cannot wait to put 2020 behind us. And as we prepare for a brand new year, it's a good time to get focused and committed on our financial goals. Not only is it great to go and reflect on your money wins this year and the lessons you learned in 2020, but it's the perfect opportunity to set and commit to your financial goals for 2021, whatever they may be. And DCU's vision is that all members achieve their financial goals collaboratively. They want to be the catalyst and the cheerleader for their members' long-term financial success. So find out what DCU could mean to you and your financial goals by visiting dcu.org. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by mistresscarry.com. Yes, that's right. The official website is up and running and it's filled with great stuff. Obviously, you can find all of the episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast up there with all of the situation reports and the after action reports. Plus, every episode of Cocktails in the War Room is up there as well. So you can go back and relive the over 110 episodes that we've already filmed. But there's also a lot of other great stuff, like the events calendar, that's filled with all of those awesome streaming concerts that the bands have been doing because we can't go and see them live and in person yet. Plus, it's a great way to go and check out my photo archives, and I'm adding more and more pictures all the time. And the official Mistress Carrie blog is there. But it wouldn't be complete without my official online store, which is filled with t-shirts, sweatshirts, koozies, beanies, pint glasses, coffee mugs, stickers, stuff for your office, and so much more. So while you're listening to this episode, why not go and check out MistressCarrie.com? And real quick, I want to say hello to Jennifer, who's the latest recipient of a Mistress Carrie backstage pass on Patreon. You can get yours right now. Get exclusive content, pictures, blogs, and discounted merchandise in the online store at mistresscarrie.com. Okay, episode 30 is all about my good friend, Paul Mercurio. He was born and raised in Rhode Island. He's a stand-up comic. He's had a one-man show on Broadway. He's a comedy writer that's worked on The Daily Show and on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he's also the host of his own podcast, The Paul Mercurio Show. And he has interviewed some amazing people. Most recently, Peter Frampton, Louis Gossett Jr., Al Roker. He's even interviewed Paul McCartney. And we talk a lot about it in this episode. And while 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of us, Paul Mercurio's story got even crazier because back in June, he caught COVID-19. And unlike those lucky people that have either avoided the virus or have been asymptomatic, Paul has been battling with serious symptoms and serious issues for the last six months. He and I have been friends for years, and he came on my radio show several times. And what's really funny about Paul is that after this friendship we've had for years, we've never actually met in person. Every time it seems that he came into Boston to do a comedy gig, I was always traveling and out of town. And I was never able to take time off to go and see a show on Broadway. But since we both grew up Italian in New England, 
Well, he and I might as well be related. Paul is a really funny guy. He's a clever guy. And I can't wait for you to get to know him. So allow me to introduce you to Paul Mercurio. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. This is Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to. Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You should see that I'm recording you, Paul Mercurio. It says recording. Point so that oh, means I'm recording. You're recording. We got it. <laughs> we got it. It's working. How are you? I'm good. I get to see you. You get and to see me, and I don't get to see you. Whenever we do these, we're always on the phone with each other, and I don't get to see you. And you're and you you got really cool glasses on. You got Thank these, you. Uh, uh, and uh, like kind of hip, and then your hair is purpley, and it's like yeah, you know, which is my high Welcome school to color. MCHQ, my new studio. Yeah, nice. It's really it looks really time. cool. It looks. Do you have anybody come into your? Well, you can't because of COVID, right? I've had a couple people come in and we've been able to socially distance and kind of record in here. But for the most part, everybody that I talk to um, right now, anyway, until the virus is under control, I talk to them like this. Right. Right. Hey, so, why not? You know, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, the camera, you look great, too. You got the camera positioned well. You look good. Well, it's all that uh, it's all that stuff on my, uh, you know, my porno channel in my part time. <laughs> You know, if this podcast thing doesn't work out for me now that my radio career is ended, right, then, you right. know, I got to have the OnlyFans or something ready right, to go. Right. Part time. Come on. Who's kidding who? Come on. It's like you can't pull you away from that camera with the I whole dil with the dildos and everything. I Wait know. a minute. It's just all dildos all the time around here. Since <laughs> that is a, a gigantic cup of coffee, by the way. That is a huge, massive mug. Paul, That's you like and I have known each other long enough. You are very well aware that I am fueled by hate and caffeine. <laughs> That's what I'm fueled by. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> That's right. Well, it's one of the many reasons. And what's funny is that, like you said, every other time we talk, it's usually yeah. on the phone. Yeah. You and I have been talking. You were on my radio show so many times. Yeah. You did my original podcast at WAF. And you and I have literally never met in person. I know, and you've done my podcast. Yeah. We have a great picture of you with your little pug. It's a pug, right? Yeah. And uh, that you had, that you shot, I think, in your studio. I know, but it's like, I feel like, you know, you meet some people, you feel like you've known them all your life, you know? And that's how it felt like when we first talked. Now, I was a fan of yours from AAF from 
lived growing up in Rhode Island and listened, being in New England a lot of my life. So I kind of knew you. And you always had that sexy voice, and I always wondered what you looked like and everything. And then I sound like to- you've been gargling glass since puberty. <laughs> Exactly. I, when you uh, have a voice like this, there's not much. Like I'm never going to be the voice of a Disney princess. You like, you know, <laughs> you're you're very limited in what you can do and there's certain <laughs> things where my voice sounds really cool. You know, like talking about monster trucks. My voice is perfect yeah, for shit like yeah, that. Yeah. When it comes to reading a romance novel <laughs> or being the voice of a Disney princess or something, yeah. it just doesn't work. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I love your voice, but I think like if you were in a Disney movie, you would be like the sassy, sassy woman behind the bakery counter when, she, the, when the princess comes in. What do you in. want? Yeah. So you got, the eclairs are good. They're fresh. Just take them. Here's an extra one. It's St. Patrick's Day, like that kind of thing. Or I'd be Ursula the Sea Witch. Like, it's one of those. (laughs) No, not a sea witch. Or one of the stepsisters or the evil, you know, witch or the monster. Or you may be like the assholey substitute teacher that just drops the hammer on everybody. Like, it's the the reverse. Like, you know, that we write the script that that think the kids are going to walk all over the teacher. And then they said the teacher walks all over the kids. And they're like, we just want our old... Mrs. McGillicuddy back. She's really nice. Say I'll give you a nice. Shut up. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> Math. It doesn't matter. You got a calculator on your phone? Go. Go. Two plus two. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to baby you. That's the problem. And then you go on a rant for a half hour and then the kids just leave. Yeah. Hang on. I got this thing. Yeah, get the, you got to get the phone. It's a great thing about podcasts. It's just whatever. Could be Stephen Colbert. Could be Paul McCartney. We just don't know with you, Paul. <laughs> could be anybody. You don't know who's calling. It was it was uh, George Harrison calling from the dead. <laughs> calling <laughs> from the other side. <laughs> There's so much I want to catch up with you on because yeah. so much has happened. Now, you and I have kept in touch, obviously, mm. this year. Mm. Um, but we haven't talked officially yeah. like, like in months and months and months. So, yeah. obviously... Back in February, WAF's frequency got sold and the station went off the air, Mm. which was the biggest surprise. I mean, not only just to me, but I think to anybody that ever grew up listening, like you said, you know, growing up listening to WAF. Yeah, that was that's been the station in New New England forever, like the station. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this was supposed to be our 50 year anniversary this year on the air. And now we're living in a post WAF world and the joke has gone around the internet with memes a thousand times that WAF getting sold to a Christian rock station (laughs) is what triggered the apocalypse and the clusterfuck (laughs) that we know as 2020. Right, exactly. Exactly. This is what happens. Exactly. That's those those overly Christian people ruin everything. Everything. We didn't Did you- get locusts, but we got murder hornets. <laughs> we found out about UFOs. There's a global pandemic. Tom Brady went to Tampa. I mean, yeah, it's a mess. It's a fucking disaster. Oh, uh, you had to mention Tom Brady. I kind of forgot about that for five minutes. Uh, yeah, that's and Gronk. And I mean, how many other awful things have happened this year? Uh, oh my God, the Red and Sox really sucked bad. It just uh. all goes back to WAF going off the air. <laughs> Did you didn't see it coming? You like as an no. insider? No, really? I mean, I've talked about it a few times, so I apologize to anybody that's listening that's heard the story before. But you know, back in August of 2019, our our 
our unbelievable morning show, the Hillman morning show kind of split into two pieces and Greg Hill started a new morning show on our sports station. Speaking of the Red Sox. And now it's called the Greg Hill show. Yeah. Yeah. And when that happened in radio, you know, the, the rule has always been, so goes the morning show. So goes the station. And so people are like, Oh, a F's in trouble. It's losing its legacy morning show. But on the back end of it, they were saying, look, we need to take this as an opportunity. We're losing the massive payroll. Hmm. It was a legacy show, but they didn't play music and we're a rock station. So we have the opportunity now to infuse music back in our morning show. Mm-hmm. We're going to strip the radio station down and we're going to rebuild it as this balls out, take chances, break new bands, rock station. And we're just going to really be super focused on the music. And we're Mm. just going to go back to what made us great. Mm -hmm. And that was the marching orders. So between when Greg Hill left and went to the sports station and we went off the air, me as the assistant program director, it was part of my marching orders to rebrand the radio station, bring it completely back around music focused. We had a bunch of plans for this whole year celebrating our 50th anniversary and celebrating all the bands we had broken and the amazing music that had come out in the last 50 years. And we were marching towards that. Now we knew we were gonna lose advertising revenue because we lost our morning show. Right. But we also were completely downsizing the expenses. So we were like, you know what? We're gonna be lean and mean. Hmm. We know that the audience is gonna love what we're doing. And the the equation of what the station costs versus what it's making, we think that for every dollar spent, the return is going to be really good. Right. So we're not going to make the most money in the company, bottom line, but the, the return on investment we thought was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And so we were supposed to launch the, quote, new and improved WAF, the relaunch on March 2nd. And the last day we were on the air was February 21st. So we never even had a chance to launch what would have been, which is which is really shitty for me because I spent months with my boss, Joe Calgaro, and our GM, Mark Hannon, like brainstorming this whole thing and working with the marketing department and really putting this amazing plan together um, to just be live, local, rebellious, mm. loud. Yeah. Just It was going to be great. And, and it it's that thing where it's like, we never really got to see what could have been. And that's what's really sad. Did they actually sell the station or they just, it's the same people and they just turned over the format? No, they, so they, it's, it's weird. They sold the actual signal 107.3 FM to the Christian people. The company kept WAF as a set of call letters registered with the FCC and they maintained the intellectual property, which means the actual brand of it. Mm-hmm. They kept, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything really with it. I mean, WAF exists as a music stream station only. There's no DJs. There's no anything on it. You can listen to it at WAF.com or on the radio.com app. Mm-hmm. The website, the social media pages are all still there, but all the personality has been stripped out of it, and it's not broadcasting except on a couple HD2 channels in Boston. But So it's, what's it's the not- whole – is is iHeart the oh- – holding company that owns intercom 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 owns and owned waf k love is the christian broadcasting company that bought the signal oh okay so they're a separate company from intercom yeah so they bought just the broadcast 
signal and the and K Love has done this before. They're the ones that that took BRU off the air. They're the ones that took CCC and Hartford off the air. They buy the signals yeah. and put these rock stations out of business. And K Love is a nonprofit company because it's Christian based. Ugh. So yeah. because it's religious, they I don't think they pay taxes on anything. So no, it's of course like not. Yeah. so no. they're not beholden to the same kind of ratings pressures because they're not operating as a commercial entity. They're a nonprofit. Right. 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 So it's like it's you know people like the ratings must suck and it's like they don't care. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. They're yeah. using the signal as a megaphone for their message. Yeah, which is but, but they're not worried about you know day part ratings and, yeah. and advertising revenue stuff the way that a commercial station would. Well, I'm surprised that you know having done in my previous life mergers and acquisitions, I'm surprised that the people at your level or your bosses on the corporate side didn't know that this acquisition was happening because that takes a long time to do an acquisition of any kind. You have to do due diligence. You have to look at legal documents. You have to look at financials. So it's not like somebody calls up and go, hey, we're creepy Christian rock people. And John Tesh is really anchor hankering to get on another station. What the fuck is up with that guy? Jesus Christ. If I have to hear him give me one more stupid fucking like fact about like did you know that most toothpaste is made in milwaukee like fuck you like <laughs> fuck why does he still can't he just fuck what's her name connie fuck fuck whatever her name is and I move on like know. why does he, he's is he a friend of yours i hope not like i don't even like i can't <laughs> i don't think john tesh and i are running in the same circles i all. swear to god like you know like when you every time i turn the radio on and i like to listen to radio in the car i i hear you know, in 1986, they made pencils for six people. Like I like uh, just, and then then he goes to some shit ass music song, whatever. All right, I'm sorry. I just it's okay. That guy just drives me. That can't stand. I've known it. you long enough to know that sometimes you just something just chafes your ass. That and, and Kelly Clarkson. Tangent. I'm gonna go to as soon as this COVID thing is over because uh, we tape in the same city in uh, the late show and here's. I'm gonna go take a dump on her set. I cannot stand that woman. Do you know her? No, have she's you just fake. No, she's just that fakey, bubbly, which is what you have to have for daytime TV. Except yeah. if you're Ellen, then you can just be a complete bitch and just pretend like you're nice. <laughs> what a douche! Like what a douche! Like just a bunch of like, you know what I mean? It's like it's your like New when, England comes out. And I fucking love it. Well, it's like, you know, like when I go on the road, right? Any, you know, you do, I do radio, right? And there's a, you, what you will know, and most people may not know, it's called soccer mom stations, which are those morning stations where you got to be super clean and talk hey, about your- Hey, good morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and there's, and and then you go down the hall and there's like a stripper and beer show, which is more my take. Yeah, and which that, is what I used to do. Right, yeah. exactly. And so um, there's that whole vibe in daytime television it's they i don't know i just think they play down to the viewers like it, it, you don't have to be this super saccharine show that's just all they do is they're fake they're fake happy and they give shit away they're just buying viewers they're just getting people and they tell them like okay 
we're going to give you a really shitty fucking can, can opener, you know, like a $3 one from True Value. And you're going to go fucking crazy for it. Like, ah, ah, you're gonna you get it. a car and you get a you car, get a car. And you get a car. Yeah, and I just want to take a big steaming dump after eating about five bowls of chili and just walk off the set. Do it live, though, so they can't edit it out. You know? Do you think that it's it's their mission to be that way? And the only reason I say this is because I've been locked in the house for the last nine plus months. <laughs> or do you think that they they are that way because the listeners are looking for a happy, non-confrontational alternative so they can turn the TV on and they know that they're not going to be challenged. They know that they're not going to hear bad news. They know that they can just be happy and kind of escape the, the, the shitty world for a little while because they wouldn't be that way if, the, if they didn't get ratings and they didn't make money. Right. I think it's being programmed like uh, television was programmed in the 50s. And so I think it's a combination. It's a part of the latter, but I also think it's playing down to the viewer and it's not acknowledging this is a different generation of people than your mom and my mom. Like, first of all, my mom is like 93 and running her business and she never watched TV because she's this fucking psycho Italian that won't fuck. <laughs> oh, by the way, she lost her fucking hearing aid again. Again? Again. So she bought one, $675, lost that one. They give you one replacement. She lost that one. I go to pick her up to take her. Yeah, you laugh. Fuck you. I laugh because every time I talk to you, we talk about your mom's hearing aid. Literally she's, every Well, because time. it's always a god. I'm not, I don't like to repeat myself on people's shows, but call my mother and tell her to get her shit together and I won't fucking talk about it. So then I go well, to- then, Yeah, but she wouldn't be able to hear me because she can't find her hearing aid. <laughs> That's true. It'd just be a lot of- <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. So I go last Monday, four or five days ago, to take her to get another hearing aid. And this is what I walk into. She's running around the house, like and looking half homeless. I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find my replacement hearing aid. She couldn't find the third fucking replacement that we, which was her old one that she bought over the counter at BJ's. I'm not kidding you. She bought it at BJ's because it's like an amplifier. So I had to. So then we had to find that, which was under a stack of papers on her dining room table. Then take her. So anyway, I don't know why I brought her up. So so the what they do is they. They program it thinking, okay, these moms are home with their kids and the TV's on and they just need to escape and they don't want to be whatever and this and that. And the, 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 the modern day mother, I dare say, is a little bit more multidimensional and more sophisticated. The modern day mother is looking for a way to drink wine. Yeah, exactly. Right now. <laughs> exactly. It's like she's meeting her Oxycontin dealer behind the fucking house. Like, she's you know, locked in the house with kids that are virtually yeah. learning right now. Right. Right. And so they think that that is. And then and then, frankly, I worked on a show where they replaced the daytime host with somebody who was African-American because the demo showed that a lot of African-American people and women are watching daytime television. So they're just going where the numbers are taking them. But like, I just think that they don't, uh, you, you don't need to play down to these people. Like, okay, you can have some happy segments or whatever, you know, like. People but like, need that. I mean, right now I know I seek out news that's that doesn't make me want to just yeah bury myself in a hole yeah. in the backyard because well, I mean, the world I got, is so fucking depressing right it now. is and i and i got i got covid right so i and uh 
So like whenever I see these stories, I stopped watching them of people like with really bad problems from COVID because it starts to freak me out. Like I, I just got MRIs on my two elbows because I got I got joint issues, inflamed inflamed joints from my from my uh, from COVID. Like I didn't have this problem. Do you so, mind? Like you're one of the people. To so to backtrack a little bit. So hmm. obviously everything has happened this year. You know, it's an election year, so everything's politicized. There's a global pandemic. Everything that's gone on. Mm. You are one of the people, of of which there are many, by the way, that I know mm. that don't fit into the, they were really sick with pre-existing conditions. They're a thousand years old. Mm. You're one of the examples that I give to people when they say either, COVID's not real. It's not that dangerous. I'm like, you know, I know a lot of people that have really struggled with it. So do you mind if we backtrack to the point oh, yeah. where, so when did you How did realize I get it? you were sick or when did you find out because you got tested or did you go and get tested because you didn't feel good? No, because I fucking worked in Florida with those fucking assholes. And when I'm done here, I'm getting a chainsaw and cutting that fucking state away from the country. Because they, I went, I had a show. I had a bunch of shows at a big club down there, the Improv in Palm Beach. And uh, when was this? June, June, middle end of June. And as it's getting closer to my gig, I'm seeing these stories like on reputable sites, you know, not queuing on conspiracy fucking Facebook pages, but like, you know, CNN and whatever, saying it's surging in Florida because Ron DeSantis is the governor. And if you don't, and I don't give a shit who's ever listening. I don't care if you're conservative and you have right. I don't give a shit about that. I'm, this is just like, don't be an asshole, wear a mask, period, period, end of story. And by the way, if you're listening, you're going to wear a mask. You're not a little bit pregnant. Like don't wear the mask on your fucking chin. Okay. Nothing's <laughs> coming out of your good. chin. Nothing's coming out of your chin. Do you understand? So, and don't go on a cruise for Christ's sake. I don't get these people that the cruises, like that's where it started. And they're going on the cruise again. And I don't even... I don't even get the cruise in the first place. Like $600 to live in a closet for a week and eat Golden Corral quality buffet. What the fuck is going on with people? Like you don't go on. The only reason you go on a cruise is to kill your husband. That's the only reason. <laughs> or your wife. Hasn't that your happened Your wife. Too? Oh, she, her earring dropped and she fell overboard. You yeah, know but what you I mean? You know, we all grew up in the love boat generation where it looked so romantic know, and you're going to find Paris, love I know. and be out on the Lido deck at, right. at sunsets. Right. right. They leave the part out where you get food poisoning because the lasagna is bad. And uh, <laughs> so, so I, we call the club, my agent and I were like, you know, this is like looking bad down there. No, no, no. And you know, this was like, they convinced people and I'm picking people out like Florida and probably most people that, you know, are, are you know, following Trump and De DeSantis, who just the governor just wants to be up Trump's ass to get an appointment in his next administration, which isn't going to happen. And so they convinced people down there, fuck it, don't don't wear masks. So I go down there and the club had assured us that they had it covered. And they were basically social distancing people in the club, but they weren't making people wear masks at the table for an hour and a half in a show in a confined space. And so they're it, laughing. And they're laughing. Like, so it's like a, it's the pro, like, it's like a problem at a bar or a restaurant where they've been warning people not to go. 
only to like the 50th power because like shit's coming out of your mouth at 100 miles an hour. And I went down there and I was wearing my mask and we had certain, like I was only, uh, no one could use my microphone. They had a dedicated microphone for me. They had to clean it after every performance. Only some people could come in the green room. Everybody had that mask around me. But you know, I'm just, but on stage, I had to take my mask off and I'm in that environment. And at the hotel where I was staying, same thing. Nobody's wearing masks. Like, except for the staff, because they, uh, if you walked around down there, nobody, you would never know. So they had convinced themselves, I had women, a couple of women, some couple of people went with me, say, oh, take your mask off. It's a hoax at the club. Like, this thing's a hoax. And not like the crazy cat lady with the fucking pilly sweater, like that looking like a, like a high-end, pretty wealthy Palm Beach, like, person coming up to me. And I'm like, this is fucking horseshit. And so, <clears throat> and- I go to the gym and my, I try to go to the gym at the hotel. I go there. There's some woman's got like, it's like, a, I think it was like the older sisters. There's three little kids, eight, 10 and 11. And they're running around all the machines, touching everything, no mask, no nothing. And I call the, I call the, the, the manager. I go, this is crazy. You're going to get people. Well, they're not required to wear masks. I go, what, the, what do you think? You put a sticker on the floor that says every six feet and everything's fucking fine. You idiot. Like, you know, and then they went and then when they sat and when they seated people at the table at the club, the people weren't, they didn't know each other's history, right? So like they had an office party one night come out, like 12 people at a table. Well, all of those people were like shoulder to shoulder with no masks. And you don't know where those other 11 people, like, you know, with your husband and your kids, right? You know where you've been. It was a complete joke, a complete joke. And then the club owner, like after call me, oh, we're so sorry. Every night we had somebody come in and clean stem. I go, go fucking go to OTB and spend the money there. You're wasting your money. What do you mean? I go, within 15 minutes of opening your door, you've contaminated the whole place because you're not making people wear masks. And I came home on a Sunday, and that Monday I had a little bit of cough, and I got, and on that Tuesday I got tested, and then I had it, and I got it there, and that's how it started. So what do you say to the person listening to this that says you made the decision to go down there, even though you're in New York where it had been really bad earlier, and you should have canceled the date and, and you shouldn't have gone down. There. I wanted to cancel the date, but there would have been retribution from the club if I did. Gotcha. <clears throat> they would not have booked me in their other clubs gotcha. because that's the game that they played. This is a club that, you know, I started to work a different competing club in a city that they have another club in and they kind of blacklisted me, blackballed me on that. So that, so th that was a conversation that was had several times. And, and because of that, and the fact that, you know, no work was coming in and the late show kind of was stopped and everything else. It's like, well, I got to get some money coming in. And they assured me that they had their shit covered. It seemed like the thing to do. So would I do it again? No, but I don't think my decision process would be any different. If I had known that the club were going to be such dickheads about it, I definitely wouldn't have gone because it's not like the flu. It's not. It's bullshit. When people say that, I mean, I, when Trump came out and said, I got it, and it was a blessing in disguise, I got so mad. I did a, I wrote a commentary. I did it on CBS Sunday morning. I'll text it to you, the link. I watched it. Oh, okay. And I got fucking rip shit. I wrote that at 4.30 in the morning. It's like, this guy's going to kill people. I mean, I started out, I didn't have a big fever or anything. I had a cough, this and that. Lost my sense of taste. Lost my sense of smell. Yeah, so go through your timeline with me because there are a lot of people that I know Mm. that don't know anybody that's had it, mm. that don't know anybody that's died. And I understand 
mm-hmm. how it can look if you live in a place that's way more spread out than New York City or, you know, a comedy club in Palm Beach. Right. Where if you're not personally affected and we're all that's the human experience, right? That unless we see things for ourselves, it makes it extremely hard for us to to put ourselves in that position. And, and 2020 is requiring a lot more empathy than I think we've all been required to have in a really long time. So your experience with this, I think is really important. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because you might be the first person mm-hmm. that people hear that have had it, that didn't have a pre-existing condition, that you weren't already you know, ill with something else and you're not old. And so I really want to be able to show people the, 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 the track of what happened. So you go down there in June, you come home the next day, you got a little bit of a cough, right? You go get tested, you're positive, And then how, take me through the timeline of your symptoms. Like when did you lose your sense of taste and smell? Um, well, I've always, uh, you know, I, it was probably like I didn't have a fever or anything. And you're right. Like I've been, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. Like I work out, I, you know, I'm, I got a hot body as you know. And, uh, what are you laughing at? Nothing. Don't you, don't you laugh at me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just was really nervous about how sort of, like I said, so like how bad they were at like making sure that this thing was done right in the mass and everything else. I got the test and then I, and then, um, I started to feel, um, tired after I got tested. And then a few days later I found out I had it. And then, um, I was really, really tired. Um, and I would have some headaches that I normally wouldn't have. And then I would be, um, no sense of taste or smell, which really sucked. Like, yeah, when you know, you're Italian, especially, <clears throat> oh I've talked about this oh, you know, so many oh, times. It's you, like, you yeah, live t- through that. I'm telling you, you could like, you could take a dish towel, put some, uh, put some uh, spaghetti sauce on it and bake it, put some cheese on it, hand it to me and tell me it's, it's a chicken cutlet. I'd eat it and be like, yeah, that's a good chicken cutlet. Like it's fucking, no, you don't know. And I can't taste, I can't drink soda anymore. It all tastes horrible to me, except for root beer, Coke, Diet Coke. I went to a restaurant, I ordered Diet Coke. You know, when you restaurants that use the gun, the, the, sometimes that stuff is flat and gross. Yeah. So I sent it back. I thought it was that. And I go home and two days later, I have a Diet Coke out of a can, same taste. I'm like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the gun at the restaurant. It was me. So it tastes, I don't even know. It tastes like ass and grated cheese. That's what it tastes like. I, although I don't know exactly what ass tastes like, except for that one time I went to a party. And uh, <laughs> no, I can't, seriously, so that, and then orange juice I can drink, but it's very sour to me, more sour than it normally would be. Apple juice I'm okay with. Um, in the middle of uh, dinner last night, I suddenly stopped tasting it. <clears throat> um, I had a steak so, and cheese sandwich two days ago. A lot so of onions on it. you're still dealing with, like, you got COVID in June. It's now <clears throat> right. December, and right. you are still having taste and smell issues. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, and look, I'm already a guy with bad taste. I put a lot of Jovan Musk oil on as it is. I'm Italian. So now <laughs> I load up. I'm like, yeah, baby. And so- um, And everybody around you is like, I'm dying. I'm dying. This kid from the North End of Providence, he really is a WAP. And uh, so I basically, um, 
and then I would get really hungry. Like I would eat. This was like right in the first few weeks. And then an hour later, it felt like I had a hole in my stomach. And I was going to bed at night and I'd wake up with these really bad headaches. And I figured out it was because during the night, my body was just getting ravaged by this thing and consuming the food and the fuel. And so I had to, just before I would go to bed, I'd have to eat something like a bowl of cereal or some toast or peanut butter and jelly. Like I was eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for some reason. I was had a lot of carbs, craving carbs, carbs. And, uh, I, and so, and so then, you know, and then I get really tired. Like I do nothing. Like I'd go like outside for a walk. I move, move some stuff around in the garage or whatever, you know, I, I kill a hobo and then, you know, like, and then I get really tired from like something that would never make me that tired and right. tired for the rest of the day. And, uh, and then, uh, and so like that just continued and I thought, okay, well I'll get over the tired. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like I am like, I, I was so tired all How the time. How many weeks in is this now? Oh, this is a month, month or two in, you know? And, uh, and I basically, um, you know, I was having some like fluttering in my heart which concern me because they say, you know, this, the, the thing that they've been finding out with this is they got that you, that the body is this pretty amazing thing that it's a virus and then it attacks the virus. But when it attacks the virus, it attacks other things in the body. Like it can't differentiate, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go after the virus, but not after the joints or the, these major organs. So inflammation is a byproduct of it. And so I went and I got a, stress test and everything on my heart because I was worried about that and everybody on my father's side dies of heart attacks and I'm like okay well that came out okay and by the way you do a do you ever do a stress test those are no. like they have my you gone life a, is a fucking stress exactly test. <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> this year 2020 is my goddamn stress I know test. exactly and I usually have um low blood pressure when I get really stressed out, like when I was going through my divorce, hmm. my blood pressure got down to like, I think the lowest it got, it was like 50 something over 40 or 30 something. Like really? I, my blood pressure lowers the more stressed out I get, which is really weird. Yeah. But it got to the point where they almost wanted to put me on medication because my blood pressure was so low. My wife has low blood pressure. She has AFib and she uh, she's on, a, she takes a medication for it. Yeah. But for the I mean, AFib. My heart is fine and yeah. it's a family thing. My sister's that way. My mom is that way. It's so we weird that we go, you we think it would go the other way. Blood, I know. And we all have low blood pressure. And it also um, means that my temperature is always a little low too. So like, you know, the average American is 98.6 or whatever. Mine is like 97 all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird that I run low like that. So. Especially being an Italian and everything. Right? You'd think like I would just like, you'd think you'd be like taking out a chainsaw and going to town and going crazy. No, it's really, <laughs> I mean, I've had so many nurses and whatever, you know, you go and you get your, you yeah. know, your blood and they go, do you have any stress in your life at all? And I'm like, <laughs> bitch, please. Are you kidding me right now? Especially this year. Yeah. And, I know. I know. And you know, it just, I don't, it, it's funny the way that everybody processes stress differently. Yeah. Which I think everyone in 2020 is learning how they process stress. Yeah. Yep. And just how your body, which I think goes back to what we're talking about. Everybody's body deals with things differently. Mm. COVID is something where Paul Mercurio is dealing with COVID differently than someone else that gets it. And the fact that it doesn't hit everybody the same feeds into that theory that it's fake well that and if you see people 
you know, if you see, okay, if you saw me, you'd be like, I mean, early on, if you saw me, people say I looked really tired and gaunt. But if you saw me, you'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't look like he had COVID or he's dealing with any symptoms from it. And so you start to buy into the bullshit that it's either a hoax or it's no no worse than the flu. And then people start saying, oh, like X number of people die of a flu every year. But it's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me next week. Can you so say that about the flu? Can you get the flu and then go, in five years, I could develop a heart condition from it? No. I, I don't know what's going to happen with me with this. That's the thing. And, I, and I'm seeing the probably one of the best, if not the COVID specialist in New York who was on the front, front lines in the spring. She was just on 60 Minutes. And then she they asked her, and she basically it was the same conversation that I had in the office with her. It's like, we don't know. We don't know. You'll go through things. like I, So I started, like two months in, I started to get shooting pains throughout my body, just random shooting pains. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, people have described that as like getting a shock, like in an outlet. Yeah. Um, tired all the time. Can't taste the smell. Uh, random headaches. Sometimes I forget things that I normally wouldn't forget. Yes, yes. A and they're all like, yes. A you Like every Wednesday, two frogs come out of my ass. Yep, we've heard that. We've had that problem. Yeah. You Did know. you ever get the fever? I never got a fever. I never got a fever. Um, but then, and this is the thing that's been the, uh, one of the biggest problems is I started my left elbow just started to hurt like a motherfucker, like really bad. Like I couldn't bend it. And my left in my left ring finger on my left hand can't really bend it that well, all of a sudden. And then on my right middle well, that's finger, that's the weight of the wedding. Exactly. Ring. Well, like, well, that's the right. weight of death right there. <laughs> exactly. That's not COVID. That's, that's exactly. being married. Exactly. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's the indicator of just how shitty my marriage is. Uh, you know, if I, I don't mean to make light of it. No, but. no, no, you got to. Are you kidding? If there's one finger I didn't want to have to be able to bend, it'd be my middle finger. It'd be easier right? for me. I'm using, like, look at my finger. I can't do anything with I'm it. I'm using it all one. the time anyway. And, um, and so, and then I'm like, you know, I started to kind of do some stuff around the house, like little projects. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I just used a hammer, the wrong, but it's my left. My left hand, my left arm, my right one started to feel funky. I go see a hand specialist. He goes, hey, he's touching my elbow. He goes, oh, you got tendinitis. I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, you know, you, you, I go, what is tendinitis? He goes, tennis elbow. I'm like, well, what is, what is, what is tennis elbow? He goes, it's from o o overuse. I go, I'm right-handed. I go, I do everything right-handed. I masturbate right-handed. I, I masturbate dogs right-handed. I do everything right-handed. And he goes, well, he goes, I, he goes, uh, I go, what do you want to do? He goes, here's a cortisone shot. He gives me a cortisone shot. I go, well, what happens if that doesn't work? He goes, cortisone shot again. He goes, then what? He goes, it goes cortisone, 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 physical therapy, um, surgery. I'm like, okay, this guy is not my guy. Because he wouldn't listen to me. I said, it's from COVID. This never happened to me before. So this continued to be, and then in my right elbow, to the point where, you know, I can't pick up a coffee cup. Like if I stay on, if I put the phone to my ear with my left arm and I'm holding it there for like 10 minutes, it's super stiff. I can't, and I'm like, hey, I can't live like this. I reached down to pull the blankets over me the other night with my left hand and I had pain in my arm just from pulling blankets over me. It's like, I'm not going to live like this. So I've been, I've seen eight different doctors. Uh, I just got an MRI. They're showing some inflammation, the tendons where they attach to the bone. They don't know why. They think, well, maybe it was always there and the COVID just got inflamed because of the virus fighting, the, the, the body fighting the virus. 
And now I just started physical therapy yesterday for my two elbows from doing nothing to cause the pain. And so, you know, now what is the, I mean, this is, I'm six months in on this. Like I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm still tired. You know, I still can't taste a hundred percent. Now, just because I didn't end up on a ventilator <clears throat> and my life almost ended doesn't mean that it's any less uh, traumatic or serious and people should take it any less seriously. That's why, you know, people making a decision in Florida that they weren't going to wear a mask out of their right or because of politics put my life in danger, literally in danger, literally in danger. I don't, well, I I'm think- not, and my son got it because of it. So some asshole out down there, and I mean it, you know, I don't give a shit about your politics, but when you're making the decision not to wear a mask, if you, if you do something that want to put your own life at risk, I'm all for it, man. Go for it. Do it. You want to walk in front of traffic and not kill anybody except yourself? Do it. But you do have an obligation morally and ethically not to get on a high horse to not make other people possibly die because of a fucking mask. That's bullshit. Now, some people listening may not like that. That's your problem. You know, I'm sorry. But like, I don't want, again, like that's the thing where you can't look at somebody and go, oh, it didn't hurt him that bad. I'll get it. It's not a big deal. Like, you can't think like that. Well, that's the thing. That, that's one of the issues. You know, you, you and I work in the entertainment business. You work marketing, promotion, all of that stuff. I think right. one of the mistakes is the only metric that gets measured for COVID that we see on TV all the time is positive cases and death. They're right. starting to show hospitalizations now because we have gotten to the point where we're maxing out the ability to admit anybody into the hospital for anything, COVID or non-COVID related. So right. they're monitoring hospitalizations. But what what the problem and the hurdle of getting over, and I have, again, when you have friends that are small business owners and they're, and they're watching their life's work go down the drain and you've got people that can't pay their mortgages, I, I mean, look at me. You know, I think if Mm. COVID didn't happen when AAF went off the air towards the end of February, I think had COVID not happened, I would have ended up back on the radio someplace else, I think. I was going to job interviews at the end of February and early March. I I would benefit greatly. And my entire industry as a music industry and a broadcast industry would benefit greatly if we could all go back to work. Mm. Right. Nobody wants anybody to go back to work more than somebody that works in the entertainment business right now. Yeah. So. You look at it and you go, okay, I understand if you, like I know a lot of people that got it, completely asymptomatic, they only got tested because they got exposed, and so they, or they wanted to go on a trip or something, and then they find out that they got it, and they were completely asymptomatic, they spend a couple weeks at home, and they're like, this is not a fucking big deal. But what we're not tracking Mm. is people like you Mm. that got it, And all these months later are still dealing with it. And a couple weeks ago, I tweeted out, this is, this is one of the only things that I think would make people take COVID seriously Mm. is the vascular stuff and the inflammation stuff that you're talking about that for you has centralized in your elbows. Mm. One of the long-term side effects that they are starting to track now is people getting COVID being basically asymptomatic or whatever, and then all of a sudden, six months, eight months, ten months, a year later, their dick stops working. When guys find out that they got COVID, (laughs) 
and they didn't get sick and yeah. they were fine. And a year later, their dick stops working and they find out it was because of COVID. Yeah. How seriously is the world going to take uh, it then uh, when all of a sudden your vascular system's inflamed and you can't get a hard on? Right. How serious? If they were on CNN, if Dr. Sanjay Gupta was on TV talking about how you could get COVID and never get a hard on again. Right. Every person in Florida would have been wearing three masks. Exactly. And ba based on that, I've had COVID for the last 15 years, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but seriously. No, it like, is. It is. Like, why aren't you on Fox News going, there's nothing Americans love more than fucking bacon, beer, and literally fucking. Okay, yeah. Exactly. And if you get COVID, right. you won't taste the beer, right. you won't taste the bacon, and right. you can't fuck anybody. Right. right. People right. wouldn't leave the house. Right. And then the leaders are hypocrites. And I'm not, and you know, this isn't a, a, a against a rant against no, Republicans. It's, but it's they, all of them. Like, you know what I mean? Like Chris Christie was going around saying, don't wear masks. This is bullshit. Rudy Giuliani, right? And the minute they get it, what do they do? Eh, eh, someone, give me Redesible. Give me the stuff that no one else can get. Eh, they go in the hospital. They, If you're such a big fucking swinging dick and you don't think Masks are a big deal. That means, by definition, you don't think this thing is a big deal. When you get it, why don't you just keep walking around with no masks and say it's not walk a big deal? Nobody wants to walk the walk. Nobody wants to walk the walk. Nancy Nobody. Pelosi goes and gets her hair done after right. telling everybody right. how many Democratic leaders. Because yep. I want to make sure we're we're taking shots on both yeah, sides absolutely. of the fence here. Yeah. You know, there there's the the Democratic governors and yeah, Congress they go and members. have parties, Cuomo. Absolutely, they're all hypocrites. Yeah, they're all hypocrites. But and we so, all don't get picked up on the South Lawn and brought to Walter Reed when we get COVID. Right, so, right. so for for the most powerful man on the planet to get it, he's getting top notch care and experimental drugs and yeah. all of the stuff that you and I aren't going to get if we just yeah. go to the ER because we test positive for COVID. Yeah, exactly. And and like you know. I think across the board, it, 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 um, I'm I'm going after both sides of the aisle. It's not, and I'm not even. It's not my agenda to be political with this. It just happens to have been made political, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it hasn't, because that's going to be disingenuous. But like on both sides of it, Republican or Democrat, I don't give a shit. They're all a bunch. A lot of them have been a bunch of assholes and hypocrites and saying one thing and doing another. This one guy, wasn't there some mayor, Democratic mayor, like because like literally texting from a vacation in Mexico saying to people Tell to stay people home not and to don't leave travel. the house. That was yeah. like fucking like, how do you think? And then they go, it was a lapse in judgment. They do that bullshit PR line. And it's like, how did he you. get back in the country? Exactly. The yeah. rest of us can't just fucking leave whenever yeah. we want. They should have fucking yeah. left him in Mexico yeah. and been like, sorry, bro, now you can't come home. Exactly. And because you're not home, exactly. you can't work. And now you don't get a paycheck. Like every person yeah. that works as a bartender, right. every person that works in a restaurant, every fucking band that can't tour, every roadie, yeah. every everybody. No, you know what? You're stuck in Mexico on your own fucking dime and you don't get a paycheck yeah. until you get home. Stay there Fuck and make, yes, yeah, stay there and, and make pinatas the rest of your life, okay? Like, because that's what, like, and so, you know, I just think that uh, there's going to be a bunch of people that don't want to take it seriously for whatever reason. And, you know, I don't know what you're going to do about it. But I'm just telling people like, you know, I'm not 100 percent. And I think given like that, I'm healthy coming into this, you know, um, I should be, you know, if this thing weren't such a big deal, I should be clear of this thing within a couple of few weeks. And it's like six months later and I'm just starting physical therapy 
And it sounds like whatever, whatever, but like this is taking up a big part of my life. Okay. Like, well, grand- not only that, imagine if you didn't have health insurance. Oh, what listen. Cost? Well, some of this I had to pay out of pocket. Like this COVID specialist that I'm seeing, which kind of pissed me off. And I'm actually thinking about talking to her. It's like, you know, she won't take insurance. So I have to pay her out of pocket and it's not cheap. And I'm like, you know, this is an opportunity in your life to literally give something back to mankind. Don't charge so much or take people's insurance because what you're doing is you're basically saying only the really well off or fairly well off can get, can get your expertise and everybody else go fuck yourself. Why and I won't kinda, she take insurance? That doesn't make any sense I, you at all. Know, because it's a money play. It's a money grab on some level. You know, she was part of a team that was on the front lines of COVID, whatever. And, you know, um, in, in March and April and May when New York was a, was a cluster, that was weird. Like we had tents in Central Park and the city was like shut down and it's like uncomfortable getting that way again it's like uncomfortably quiet refrigerator truck morgues yeah side of the road like you don't yeah all you don't hear any like i'm like i i bought a jackhammer and every sunday i just go jackhammer at like eight in the morning so i could feel like i'm living in new york again like it's ridiculous (laughs) like it's and you know what's crazy is that we're sitting here talking about the doctor but in order for her to get to the level of being the specialist that she is, she probably spent a quarter of a million dollars going to college, yeah. and she's probably still paying the loans off. No, I, I get it. You know, you what know? I mean. So it's I, like you got to look at both sides. I, I, of everything. I totally get. It. I'm not saying she's got to give it away for free, but maybe she like you know, you know, cut your. I didn't even get a lollipop when I went. I mean, at least you get a lollipop. <laughs> Remember, you get a lollipop when you. So the other thing about New York that I did see that like tells me things are coming back is. Uh, you know, you're supposed to keep the six feet. And then uh, I see a two cab drivers, a cab driver and a, a guy, they're fighting over a spot. And they get out and then starts with, eh, fuck you. And they both get out and they start yelling at each other. And then it turns into like a fight and they start coming at each other and they start fist fight. But then one of them realized, oh, it's COVID. I need six feet of distance. So he like backed up, but then he kept swinging his hands and he'd run close. Then he'd back up and then he'd swing his hands. And I'm like, this is awesome. This oh is my like, God. this is like, this is like culture trying to continue to stay normal in the context of COVID. Like it just, so, you know, like, uh, I mean, you know, my business is decimated. Live performing is decimated. And frankly, I have no really interest in going into a comedy club right now anyway, because they proved that they just don't give a shit. Like some of these clubs are still like, you know, you know, letting people just sit at tables and the rationale is, well, we make them wear masks when they walk in. Well, they walk in and they go to the bathroom for like 10 minutes out of their two hour stay. The other hour and 50 minutes, they're sitting there and cheering and hooting and hollering and whatever. So it's like, it's, you know, I, I'm not here to, I don't want to lecture it. I'm just telling people it. Yeah. You could know a lot of people where it's just a blip and then there's people that it's really bad. And then there's people it just keeps, it just doesn't go away. You know, like in my thing, it just doesn't go away. And I don't, I don't want to deal with this and. I don't want to be talking to you in three months and going, oh yeah, you know, uh, my, my right foot just swelled up and we don't know, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be done with this. Cause it, it also is mentally and emotionally exhausting. Cause you've got to deal with it. You've got to go see this doctor. You've got to go make you're the appointment. You're constantly in pain in. doing and everyday you, things. Yeah. And, and you're you just thinking a about it. On the people that are taking care of you. Yeah, exactly. That's how you feel. Well, I'm already a pain in the ass to live with. Do you really, like, you know, <laughs> 
I get a stain on a fucking t-shirt and I flip out. I do. I don't know why, but like if I get like a piece of like a tomato sauce on my t-shirt, I got to immediately give it to my wife. She's got to get the stain out. I don't know why. That's why I wear black all the time. (laughs) Exactly. Seriously, because I'm going to get sauce all over everything. I might as well wear black so it's not as obvious. We would call it gravy growing up. I don't know if you called it gravy. No, we never called it gravy. It's a very funny thing how the Italians immigrated to the U.S. and some families call it gravy and some don't. Yeah. I never did. Yeah. My mother would make it and then we get that Italian bread and rip the piece oh, off the and best. dip it. Oh, my God. Think I about it that. this way. I noticed this the other day. Think about all of the things like when you're trying to be COVID compliant, right? Mm. Think about all of the things that Italians do. Like you grab a loaf of bread and you rip it apart. Everybody's <laughs> manhandling everything. Like we're disgusting people when it comes to sitting down and eating a family meal it's because true. it's a super spreader event, which is why we can't get together for the holidays. Exactly. You're like smearing butter with your finger. Right. You're wiping right. somebody's right. chin. You want oil and vinegar on your salad or COVID? <laughs> Just give me some COVID. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like it was, Yeah, exactly. It's so, so, it's so true. So when so because you're seeing one of the foremost COVID experts, mm. this is a question that I have. Mm. Um, if you get it and you're still dealing with it, mm. um, have they determined 100% that once you get it, you can never get it again? And no. then because of that, do you need to get vaccinated even though you're still literally battling it? How does that work? Yeah, well, I they don't know that I can't get it again. You know, it's about the antibodies, but... They, they are finding some people's after a while, the antibodies go away. So um, I think that I'm, a, I'm walking around assuming I can get it again. I'm not playing. I'm not getting this a second time. I am not fucking with this thing. So um, they don't know. They don't know anything. I'm not joking. When you, basically I've been seeing doctors over the last four, five, six months, and I've seen close to a dozen. And literally the answers I get is yes. That sounds like it's COVID related. We don't know why. We don't know how to treat it. They just don't. Not because they're incompetent. They it's just, just so they're, new. They're just so new. Like they just don't, you know what I mean? Like, so they sit there and they go, the doctor that is treating me, this foremost doctor, she got COVID and she's working. And she's going to say, by the way, you're going to get a whole bunch of tests and they're all going to come back like negative and not show anything. So like the joints were really bothering me. So my, my primary care physician is like, well, let's, let's do some work up some blood work, blood work. Okay. I got tested twice for Lyme because it sounded like Lyme disease, right? Which is joints and this, nothing, nothing. All my blood. I, this is the only time in your life you're like, please, I hope I have blood cancer. Like fucking like you're trying to find something. Well, just you want to have some, some kind of resolution. Something so that to you point can to start, right. and then you can start a regimen and it's nothing. My stress test crushed it like you got to stand and walk on a treadmill and this and that and and by the way i thought it was really macho like i because i run and stuff like so you're gonna walk on this treadmill and then we're gonna do like seven stages and then we'll slightly incline i'm thinking myself yeah this is for pussies like by the third stage i was like "Eh, eh, 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 water water like but no in all seriousness like everything has come back totally fine totally fine so that's so are thing. they suggesting that you get the vaccine? Uh, I haven't had any conversation with anybody about it, but I'm getting it. I mean, there's I don't think there's any downside to getting it. But I'll ask my doctor, but yeah, I'm going to get it. But I'm, 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 I don't get it ahead of the line because I had it or anything like that. 
And I don't know if I can get it again, this COVID thing. And I'm assuming I can because, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to take a nap in the middle of the day today and I'm not doing a lot. <laughs> like I shouldn't do that. You know, I shouldn't have to do that, you know? And, um, and so I'm just, I'm like worst case scenario is the way I'm looking at it because, and, you know, and trust me, like, and you don't want me sick. Like even my dog looks at me, like initially it was like, the dog was like, this is, this is a, why is he's here a lot? And then the second stage is like, oh my God, I'm playing with him all by the third stage. And she's like, you are a fucking asshole. Can you get out of the house, please? You are the I biggest. I think every, the only people that are happy about what's happened this year are our animals. Oh yeah. Because they're like my pug Wednesday. She's so happy that I'm home. Heaven forbid I go to the supermarket or like to the post office. I come back and she looks at me like, where the fuck did you go? <laughs> when I actually have to leave the house on a regular basis, yeah. she's going to be pissed. She looks at you like, you left me for an hour. What is it? Yeah, I know. Who do you think you are, human? <laughs> You're supposed to just be here with me on your lap, petting my head the entire time. Exactly. That's life now. That's what's normal. Exactly. By the way, why did you name her Wednesday? Because of Adam's family. That's the girl on the Adam's oh, family. Oh, right. Oh, my God. And I she's can't. a little black pug, but she has this little white spot on her chin and a little white spot on her chest. And Wednesday from the Adam's family always wore all black, but she always had that little white collar. Oh, right. And so, I mean, you know me. I'm weird. Yeah. And, and I love naming animals after, like, references from our childhood. Oh, you know? that's like, cool. Like, I had a dog named Gizmo because of the gremlins. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a dog named Yodi, who was the female equivalent of Yoda, because that's how she kind of had that face. So, like, I love having dog names that are references to these. To things. Yeah, I did that to my childhood, but I had a fish named You'll Never Amount to Anything. And... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I just threw that out there. Uh, well, you got to do comedy somehow. You got to get it out there. You got to get you it know, out there. Let, you can use your new material and try it on me. And if I laugh, you know. No, it wasn't even material. I just sort of came to me in the moment. That's what you do to me. You make me uh, act like I a talked idiot. To, uh, I talked to Lenny Clark a couple weeks ago on oh, the podcast. Oh, yeah. I love Lenny. And, you know, one of the things when he and I were talking is whenever I talk to a comedian, it's always – a badge of honor for me if I can make a comic laugh. Oh, you, you're great. Are you kidding? Because, You'd be a great comic. Because that's what you guys do. And so, like, I, I said a couple things in the podcast interview that made Lenny, like, belly laugh. And I was like, why do I take more pride in making a comedian <laughs> laugh than I do in making anybody else laugh? Yeah, I but, guess it makes me feel funnier well, than but I yours, really No, am. you're really, you're just so genuine. And you're like, I mean, you know, like, we're like brother and sister the way we get we get amped up and animated. And, yeah. and that's where the best funny comes from because it's not thought out ahead of time. Like I think I just said was just me being stupid. I didn't write that an hour ago and say, I'm going to say this, but like, I just think that that's why you're so funny because you're so passionate and you're so real. And I think that's when people, I, I think every people say to me, is it hard to be funny? I go, no, I said, everybody's funny. And they go, really? I go, pick the most quiet, boring person in your office. But if, when that person is around a comfort, has a comfort level with the people that they're really close to, their guard is down, they're funny. They're funny. Everybody's funny. It's just, I guess, performers like us, we're comfortable doing it in front of strangers and whatever. But like, oh God, but you're always so funny. Like talking to you, I never feel like I'm doing a show. I just feel like I'm hanging out 
which well, is that's what we are doing. Yeah, which is great. Thank God I can swear because otherwise I'd, oh, we'd be getting that's bleeped. the one thing because I'm not on the radio anymore that has been the biggest adjustment for me is that I was trained muscle memory for over oh, 20 years right. that when someone dropped an F-bomb that I had to lunge forward to the button that would dump it out. Right. And for me, it was always, and I used to do this with my guests when they would come in the studio, people were way more aware that they were on the air if they wore the headphones. So the headphones were like this physical reminder that oh, you couldn't swear. Yeah. So it's been so hard for me to wear headphones here in MCHQ and still be able to say fuck. Yeah. Because I haven't been able to say fuck in front of a microphone for over 20 years. Yeah. By the way, you don't age. You look look amazing. You look amazing. You really don't. Thanks. I don't even have any makeup on. I was like, fuck it. It's just Paul. I'm not putting music on. Well, I did did throw up in my mouth a little bit when I saw you had no makeup. Well, uh, I know. No. No, you don't. My nails are still okay. Yeah, your nails look... No, you look great. Are you kidding? I can't let the wheels fall off the wagon because (laughs) of a global pandemic. How are you spending your time... You know, it's like the little things in life. Like now we're, I've been locked in with COVID. So like, what is your, I mean, when you're not working, working, but like, how are you passing the time? Are you reading a lot? Are you watching? Like, I get bored. Like, what are you doing to get through it? I joked at the very beginning of all of this, mm-hmm. you know, when COVID really, really hit that I either picked the best time in the world to get laid off or the worst time in the world to get laid off. So it, it's a tennis match with me. Sometimes it's like, oh, my God, this is the worst time because my layoff, because AAF got sold, hmm. does not fit into the time frame of when people got laid off. It's not COVID-related, which means I don't qualify for a lot of the COVID benefits that oh. come out in these stimuluses because I got laid off in February. Just before it so all kicked just in. Just before oh, it all kicked right, in. Right, right, right. So on one hand... It's the worst time for me to be laid off and looking for a new job, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it has given me an opportunity for for better or worse. I had to start all over and I had to start a company. So just to answer your question, since early March, when we realized that this was going to be really bad, Mm -hmm. um, I registered my company. I built MCHQ, so I have a fully functioning studio in my house. Mm -hmm. I started a video channel. um, I started my YouTube channel and started a video series called Cocktails in the War Room. Mm -hmm. And I go live on Facebook every Tuesday night at 8.30. I started doing it every night at 8.30 back on March 14th. Mm -hmm. I did 81 shows in a row every night for 81 nights. Then I transitioned the show to be a weekly show. So I started a video show. Mm -hmm. Um, I launched a podcast. I had to design all new logos. I had to design a whole line of merchandise, which is now for sale on my brand new website, mistresscarry.com. I launched the podcast and have been setting up interviews and doing this weekly podcast with episodes coming out every Wednesday. Then in October, I expanded the podcast. So Monday through Friday, uh, you get a sit rep which is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes as a mini podcast. So you can be at the drive through at Dunks mm-hmm. and in five minutes get caught up on what all the bands are doing, what's going on with music, what's going on with movies, television, all of that. But it's in and out in five minutes. Mm. And so 
now I'm starting to look forward into the new year and hopefully at some point by the end of 2021, concerts being back out, mm. to be able to go out and, and host events and public appearances and be able to go to concerts and sit down and be able to videotape my interviews so that mm -hmm. I can transition the podcast from being just audio to I'm hoping to be able to incorporate video next year. Mm. I literally have done nothing but work except I got married at the end of August. Oh, right. That's awesome. So that's awesome. So that's that was the only, that was like one of the few bright spots in my life. And we got married outside. We got engaged and got married nine days later. Cause we were just like, fuck it. Why wait? Yeah. And we, you know, I was really, really concerned about my wedding being like a super spreader event. Right. Mm -hmm. So we got married outside and we told everybody that we, it was going to be a socially distant wedding and people brought lawn chairs and their own beer coolers and picnic blankets and all of our family and friends that were really, really worried that are immunocompromised. We blocked off parking spots in front of the house and they watched the wedding from their cars. Oh, that's amazing. And we just did it. It was weird, like having wedding photos without having a lot of people like in a group and we did take like we would take pictures and go okay we're gonna get together in a group everybody hold your breath take the picture and then scatter and <laughs> i mean we bought like four gallons of hand sanitizer <laughs> people were wearing masks and we were yeah. able to have a wedding we ordered all the food to be um food that wasn't going to be shareable everything was individual portion sizes everything was spread out like but we wanted to get married and it was the only way that we could really figure out how to do it. And, and luckily for us, the weather cooperated at the very last minute and we were able to have a wedding mm -hmm. and get the wedding photos that we wanted and whatever. And nobody got sick, which was great. That's awesome. That's so that great. was like one of the only bright spots other than. You remember the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, the original Superman movie from our childhood? Mm -hmm. Remember when Christopher Reeve slowed the world down by going out into space and flying around the planet yeah. the other way to get the rotation to slow down? Yeah. I look at COVID doing that. Mm. And so it's my job because I got handed this unexpected challenge of being unemployed for the first time in my mm -hmm. adult life mm -hmm. to spend this time while the world is slowed down, mm. flying three times as fast so that I can catch up. So oh, I've done nothing but work. That's great. What is your, your the, the Facebook live thing you do on Tuesday nights? Yeah, I call it cocktails in the war room. And what do you, what is the, what is the concept? What do you do? So it's, so the war room is a legitimate room in my house that mm -hmm. I've called the war room for 10 years. It's where I keep all of my artifacts from all the military stuff I've done, all of my family's mm -hmm. military history. It's got a wood stove and a bar in there. So we always called that room the war room. Mm -hmm. And the radio station went off the air on February 21st. And I, you know, was posting online and I registered my company the first week of March. And then somebody that I used to work with was like, you know what, you should go on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or whatever and just kind of let people know how you're doing because you know, people that listen to your show for all those years, they're going to want to know how you're doing, you know, if you're okay, whatever. Hmm. So I put up on social media, hey, join me tonight at 8.30 live on Facebook for a cocktail in my war room. Hmm. I poured myself a drink. I went in the war room and I went live for like 17 minutes on Facebook and 11,000 people showed up hmm. and I went, what hmm. the fuck? 
So people were like, this was so cool. I had something to look forward to because the lockdowns had begun. Yeah. This was and March what, 14th. What, what were you talking about? Just your day? Just, and... just whatever. You know, I just want to let you guys know how I'm doing. How are you guys doing? The world is getting kind of crazy. Hmm. At that point on March 14th, St. Patrick's Day had been canceled in Boston. Rumors were that Tom Brady was leaving. Hmm. They were wondering whether or not the marathon was going to happen. Like there was a ton of stuff going on locally, but also it was like, how are you guys dealing with AAF not being around? How are you guys affected by this? Is your job letting you come to work? Like, it became, I mean, the, the people that come in the war room every week call themselves the family now because we've become an online support group. Mm -hmm. And we get together now every week. I bring guests in. You got to come in the war room. I can bring you in via Skype. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we have we can have a drink together and we can hang out. It's live and interactive so they can comment and talk mm -hmm. about stuff mm -hmm. in Mar uh, in May. Um, I designed cocktails in the war room T-shirts mm -hmm. and we were able to sell them out of my dining room. And we raised over fifty six hundred dollars to a charity that is packing food boxes for veterans that are in need of food assistance and that are immunocompromised. That's so we great. turned it into a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And every week we just kind of get together and we talk about what's going on. Mm. And so, you know, this coming week, the Tuesday night before this episode of the podcast goes live, which is the last episode of the year, by the way, mm. your episode 30, the last episode of 2020, <laughs> I'll go in the war room and be like, hey, this week on the podcast is Paul Mercurio. And I'll talk about how you and I have been friends for so long and mm -hmm. talk about all that stuff. And then at midnight that night, the podcast episode goes live. I've got companies that um, offer discount codes for people that come in the war room that if they use, you know, mm -hmm. Mistress Carrie codes, they can get discounts off of stuff. Ooh. And I bring guests in and we just talk about Ooh. music and bands and how we're all coping with just stuff. Just whatever's going on and whatever whatever's you feel like going talking on. How long live. do you do it for? Like a half hour? Uh, sometimes it's 45 minutes. Sometimes mm. it's an hour and a half. So you just, do that Tuesday night and then, and then a few hours later, you, the you podcast plug, goes you, Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And so all of the episodes now, there've been 109 war room episodes. Mm -hmm. They're all up on my YouTube channel now, and they're all archived now on mistresscarry.com. Oh, cause you can and save it, them when you, after you do them. Yeah. Right. So the videos, you can go back and watch them after the fact, if you don't have Facebook, but you want to watch like, um, a few weeks ago, I interviewed the master distiller of Metallica's whiskey, blackened whiskey. Mm. And this whiskey, when they get it in the oak barrels, they blast these barrels with low frequency Metallica music. And they've scientifically wow. proven that it changes the taste of the whiskey mm -hmm. because it aggravates the wood in the barrels and it puts more wood particulates into the whiskey. And they've shown that it changes the flavor of the whiskey. And so every batch, a different member of Metallica picks the playlist of the songs that are going to get blasted into this whiskey. So we had this amazing conversation about whiskey and tasting it and how sound waves affect it. And we're sitting there on Skype hanging out together and people can ask That's questions. Awesome. And it's really fun. And how did you pick Tuesday night 
at that time, like, is there something special about that time? Well, I started the war room at 8.30, like that first night. I was like, all right, at 8.30, the kids should be in bed by then. And we can kind of sit down with an end of the day drink. Right. And then when I decided to take it from a nightly show to a weekly show, I was like, all right, well, I don't want to do it on the weekends. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, selfishly, I'm like, I don't want to compete with Monday Night Football. (laughs) Yeah, that's smart. And so it was like Tuesday night seemed like one of those nights where everybody was kind of settled into their work week because a lot of people that have listened to my show are essential workers. Hmm. So all of the medical personnel, the first responders, all of those kind of people, like they're still working and sometimes working harder than they ever did before. Yeah. And so it was like Tuesday night, you're going to be home laying low. It's not a big party night. It's not mm-hmm. Thursday. In Boston, Thursday's always been that big right. party night. Not that we have any fucking place to go party. Right. But I was like, you know what? Tuesday night just seems like a good night to get together, have a drink and decompress and kind of talk about what's going on. Mm. And... So now, you know, three, somewhere between like three and 5,000 people join me in the war room. That's awesome. Week. I got to check it out. That's it's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, I got this software that allows me to put graphics and, and titles on the screens. And so it's basically like I'm running a television show by myself in the war Crazy. room. And then you decided to do Facebook uh, live instead of like Instagram live. Is there a reason? I or? just decided Facebook, I thought was the easiest and it at the time had the most people on my page. Oh, got it. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'll do Facebook. And then people were like, well, I don't have Facebook. So that's why I was like, all right, well, I'll put the shows all up after the fact got on it. YouTube. Mm. And then I put them all up on my website. Mm. And what's really funny is you go back and watch the first episode mm. and it's literally me talking into my phone. Yeah. I did like 39 episodes just talking into my iPhone. Yeah. Then I got super highly technical and I bought a tripod with a ring light so I could be two handed in Italian and talk. Yeah, with my there gestures. You go. <laughs> then I had the ring light for like 40 something episodes. And then when I transitioned the show from being nightly to weekly, mm. I got this software and now it makes the show look like a television show. I can put logos and graphics and sponsors on it and i can put your instagram handles and your websites on there and pictures and Mm. and so you know and my co-host is my dog so my dog has she has a pug cam so she has her (laughs) own camera because nobody else is here to be able to go on the show with me most of the time that's great so i can put you know wednesday on the camera and people can watch wednesday and then people started sending me stuff like like quarantine care packages of like my favorite snacks and sending Wednesday dog toys and so it became a part of the show where every week I open up the packages that people have sent me and now that the website's up and running and my merchandise is up and running I'm spending a lot of time mailing out orders I have t-shirts sweatshirts Mm. pint glasses koozies hoodies stuff to rock your office out like oh look I have uh mouse pads nice and pens and kind of all this <laughs> stuff and i'm doing it all myself like locked in the house so when you're asking me like what do you do with your time it's yeah, like all got... i do is work basically that's amazing i just spend my time tracking packages on amazon yeah just right. Like, i mean know. have you bought some weird shit on amazon I mean, like screws i bought screws and i certain screws i needed to fix something and i literally spent like three days of the screws here yet and i'm like i gotta fucking get a life like this yeah. is like yeah like i just been hoses like for the yard and then the like uh, like you know 
I put in some linoleum in my bedroom. So I ripped up the old, like, I mean, it's like all these projects I'm doing. It's crazy. Yeah, And, and you're doing it <clears throat> while battling. Like, I'm sure you can work on a project for like an hour. Yeah, right? that's and the then thing. And you got to take a nap. And then they said, you got to stop doing it. So I kind of stopped because they said, you got to really let your body fight this thing. And all that extra energy that you're putting into those things, you got to. So I just like, I had to pull back and, you know, um, we just had the snowstorm. So this is a perfect reason to have my wife shovel. I'm like, hey, I fucking got COVID. I, I you got know, COVID, I, babe. I can't, <laughs> I can't go out there. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. They said the body's tired all the time because it's fighting this thing and it needs that energy. It's got to re, it's, it's in dysregulation. The body's got to re-regulate. So it's crazy. One of but. the things that's been really good um, ha has been that it's been a huge help for podcasting. Yeah. And you've had a podcast for a long time now, the Paul Mercurio podcast. Mm. And you've, even though you've been kind of dealing with all of this stuff, you've still managed to have some really cool conversations with some awesome people. Talk about some of the people that you've been able to interview while you've been kind of locked away. Well, I just had Peter Frampton on um, <clears throat> to talk about his career. He's got a book and like, that was really, I was a huge fan of his, his you know, and I wanted to hear, you know, he's really honest and frank about like, you know, his manager fucked him, right? And yeah, like stole yeah. millions of yeah, dollars. Yeah, he was like he was like an eight, seven, 17, 18 year old kid and he blew up. He was in Humble Pie and then he got, you know, this he just blew up, you know, and he had that amazing album, Frantum Comes Alive, which took him like six years to write and and uh you know, he just didn't know where the money was going. And the next thing he turned around and there was no money, it was the classic story and you know, and he's doing drugs. Yeah, seventies, and, and everybody and he, was doing drugs. Right, and he also like kind of went down the road of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, teen idol kind of thing. Yeah, because he was told like that would you know keep, and he looks back and wishes that he had just been more about the music, and you know he had a lot of pressure to write a follow up album, and he just didn't have the life experience in the material yet, so the next album was like so so. David Bowie was a, a they went to art school together as kids. And he talks about Bowie kind of helping him get out of, you know, sort of this dead end he put himself in, which was, you know, Bowie's is like, you got to go back to being a musician who you are. And he went out and started playing with Bowie and that helped him kind of get back to his roots. But he was very honest about a lot of things. And I re that's what I really liked about him. There wasn't a bullshit conversation where the guy was just sort of glossing over stuff. And Can you talk about the movie he made with the Bee Gees? And I bring it up because I know he talks about it in the book hmm. that the manager got him to do that as like a money play kind of thing. Hmm. But growing up for me, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which was Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees, and that's why Aerosmith recorded Come Together because they made an appearance. George Burns. It's one of my favorite childhood movies. Right. And Peter Frampton kind of looks at it as like this embarrassing thing that he did, but I love that movie. Yeah, he he, you know, he puts it in that category of like just bad decisions that he was making or was being forced to make, and you know, a young impressionable kid, and you know, and you see it too. Like if you go back, you know, we Google, we pull some pictures up to promote the thing, and you see some pictures of him, and he's like he looks like David Cassie. Like he's got his so shirt unbuttoned down to yep. his belly button. And he's got this big blonde locks of hair. And he's like, Skin totally satin pants, totally on. going for, which was my look. And she totally took it. <laughs> and he's told, you could totally see that he's going for that thing, you know? And, but you can't, can you imagine being that young and 
he goes, you know, it was just crazy. We were traveling around and you have throngs of people. Then you start to believe the hype and everything else. At that young age, that would be insane to try to manage that. So he talked about it in like that context of like, yeah, you know, it was just like, I, uh, you know, and, and he, he regrets that he, he felt like he shortchanged himself and he didn't consider himself a one hit wonder, but it came off that way because of that album. Um, but you know, obviously just a phenomenal musician and, and a really good songwriter. He just didn't, he just, you know, he was what, I don't know, by the time that thing had topped the charts and he was like, uh, you know, moving on to the next thing, what he was all of maybe 20, 21. And then they're like, okay, write another album. And it's like, you know, all the best stuff comes from living life. You know, you haven't really lived when you, when you've written, you basically, you know, six years of your life was already written about, like, what are you going to write about? You know? And so it just was, it was just really, really cool. And then I just posted this guy as a professor at Emory university about, and we talk about death and dying and it sounds maudlin and whatever, but like, he has this whole, he, he talks about the history of death and how we look at death and how different societies throughout history have looked at death. So it's like a very different kind of, a, a totally other kind well, of. That's what I love about your podcast is that you talk to a lot of different people. So, you know, one week you're talking to the real Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, she and then was the great. Next week you're talking to Al Roker and then you talk to Peter Frampton. Like yeah. that's the beauty of having a podcast is that. Oh, yeah. I just had on. You the, can talk to all of these different people. Yeah, I had David Fry. He's the co-host of the National Dog Show in the Westminster Ken- Kennel. The guy who does it with he he's the guy that does those shows of play by play for the dogs. And as a dog lover, you would love it. And my wife and I are big dog lovers and we love to watch that. So we talked about like, you know, breeding and the dogs and the whole competition. Did and you talk this. about the nudicles? <laughs> no, no, no. Because they have like their little dog sized replacement testicles. So if they fix a dog and, 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 and castrate it or, you know, whatever, that they, they put fake nuts in it. So there's a company that invented, and there are doctors that went to school to learn how to be veterinarians that are making money putting prosthetic balls on dogs. <laughs> Show dogs. Like, I understand if you're a guy, yeah. right? If you're Lance Armstrong and you get testicular cancer right. and you don't just want to have one nut or you don't want to have no nuts that you can go in and get these replacement nuts. And then they're like breast implants. It's like, does this feel like a gummy bear? Does this like, what does this feel like? Like I understand psychologically why a guy would want to have fake balls to make you feel normal. Right. But the fact that we're putting that technology to use in 2020 with a pandemic to put fake balls on dogs. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, I, we didn't talk about it, but, I'm actually thinking, given the way this COVID thing is going for me, I might need them myself, you know? (laughs) Um, You're in the office, like, do you go for bigger? Oh, you definitely go for bigger. Do you, though? I mean, as a woman, like... No, it's not a big... They gotta be proportional. You can't just have, you know, all wheels and no cannon. (laughs) Well, that's my... That's been the story of my life, all (laughs) wheels and no cannon. That is awesome. I've never heard that phrase before. I, I stole that from an army buddy of mine. I it's okay. It's yours. I, I give, it give to you. him the credit. I give it to you. Oh, I also had the guy from The Walking Dead on, uh, it, uh, uh, Coleman Domingo, Fear the, Fear the Walking Dead, and he was really cool. You talked to Michael Cohen. 
Yes. Yeah. He was he's he's an angry guy. Yeah. He talking about Trump. Boy, he's got a lot of issues. But he I was a little hesitant to talk to him because I didn't want it. I didn't want it. To, I did. I, I he was very honest. And, you, and I really got the sense that he was really trying to, like, make right things that have happened. And uh, I always question people's motives like that, because it's like you were totally fine sucking off yeah. the teat of that person when it benefited you. Yeah. Why didn't you have that moral compass then? Like, I understand they're trying to make contrition after the fact, you yeah. know, that you that something happens and you see the light and now you want to apologize and mm. make amends and whatever. But it always the argument could always be made. And it's always made by the president that when when people wrong him, that. You know, he turns around and is like, you're the bad guy. Or, yeah. oh, it was fine for you to be with a bunch of these terrible people until right. it doesn't serve you anymore. And right. it's a really hard place to be in because it's like, if you're an immoral, you know, like the person that, that apologizes when, right before they get the needle on yeah, your row. It's exactly. like, are you really sorry? Right, exactly. I think that. get clemency. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I give him credit only because he didn't make excuses. You know, he basically was like, I. As I said to him, I said, you know, you knew you were doing really shitty wrong things. You're not a dumb guy. I go, why? And he took a long pause and he goes, because it's like you're in a cult. He goes, I can't explain it. He goes, but you're in this cult and there's this guy and he just creates this vibe. So he didn't make, make an excuse to point fingers. He just was like, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't get myself to, I knew, but I couldn't get myself to not do it. So he was like very honest. He's definitely angry. Do you I think the president's going to pardon him? No, not him. No, because he's come out and just, you know, beat the shit out of Trump. He will no way he would pardon him. The only people he's going to pardon are people that are stay in his inner circle that stay loyal and kept his mouth shut. But, um, but then like, then you talk to somebody that I have been such a fan of. You've talked to a couple people that I'm just like, holy fucking shit. You talk to Harry Shearer. Which, as a Spinal Tap fan, yeah. Derek Smalls, and then obviously all the voices for The Simpsons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what an amazing... I know. What was that like? He's a, very much like talking to an artist. Like, he... Um, and, you know, sort of just even approaching the voices, like, you know, not they're not just him just, hey, I'm going to physically do this voice. It's like, I'm going to... I'm going to bring my personality into it, and there's thought that goes into it. And... Um, and you know, very quiet, like not uh, very unassuming guy in a lot of ways, but very much so in go his back head. What you were saying, like, take the quietest person in your office, yeah. and they're funny when you make them comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And he was totally like, you could see, you could, you could just in hearing him, you could see the wheels spinning. Like you could see, like a very, very smart guy. Like I remember thinking, like this guy could have easily been a professor or whatever. Like you know, just like a a true artist, and like um, you know really also really thoughtful in his answers like doesn't just sort of like thinks about it you could tell him he's thinking about his answer before he gives it to you he's not just kind of jumping in you know and he and he was like uh, and you know i you know just um liked the ability to kind of talk about you know um just the art of it all you know you know who i really liked was kevin costner not because he was Kevin Costner, but we talked about music and how important music is. He's promoting Yellowstone and how he, you know, he's in a band and his band is really good. And like, they've been in this band, the band tours with his shooting schedule, like goes to on, on shoots, like goes to 
locations. Kevin Bacon does that too. Yeah. The Bacon Brothers, and there are certain yeah. people that. And so kind we of had. An, those... It was a really interesting conversation with Costner too. Like, really, ta- I felt like I was talking to an artist and not just a movie star. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't like. He his... has a reputation in some circles as being difficult. Was he? How was he to deal with and talk to? Oh, he was fine because um, the same thing with uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, because the thing is. Uh, I, I don't know if, if you mean he's difficult in conversations of interviews, but I could see that happening if, he, if as the interviewer, you have one agenda and it doesn't match your guest's agenda, right? So like, that makes sense. Like, yeah. like Billy Bob wanted to come on and talk about his band and music. And and so- And, um, and if you bring up Angelina Jolie- Or like, you know, thing, yeah, you know, like, pissed. yeah. So, if, and it's, if you ostensibly do like one question about his music and then try to- and try to shoehorn it into a conversation about acting or what it was like, what was it like to fuck Angela? You, you lose him, you know? And I, yeah. and I don't care from my perspective, as long as I'm the, 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 the genesis of the art is this, whether it's acting in the case of Costner and Billy Bob Thorne or music in the case of them, the genesis, which is your soul of the, of the creative thing that you're doing is the same. So I don't care if we're talking about music or acting. I'm more interested in the process and how they come up with what they do. And so both of them, you know, Billy Bob, I don't want to be whatever, but he goes, this is one of the best interviews anybody did with me because like I get asked the stupidest questions. He goes, you know, last week I actually got asked what kind of omelet I think Bruce Springsteen likes. He actually said, so, and you're a great interview because you're not, you never interview people. You talk to them and you obviously do your research. And so you're great. And I think they just appreciate that. So for me, Costner was, you know, we talked about acting, but in the context of music and how why the music is important, how he uses music to help his acting, how writing songs for Yellowstone helped inform his character and how he found his character through writing these songs. And like, I, I am just not interested. There are enough interviews out there about someone talking about like what it's like to be on a movie set and what it's like to kiss so-and-so and what it was like to do that scene with such and such. Like, there's enough of that. Like when you get these people, they're artists at the highest level. That's to me, like what you should tap into. And I think they, I think, especially when they're on these press junkets, they appreciate like kind of getting questions that like are more meaty, you know, and not just like the bullshit. Well, that's one of the things that I've noticed about launching the Mistress Carrie podcast over the interviews that I would have done on the radio is that there was always the pressure when you're doing a radio interview, you only get a certain amount of time mm. and the record company or the band manager, whoever sets up the interview with you, they want you to make sure that you talk about the concert. They want to make sure you're talking about how to get tickets, mm. the, the album, yeah. because that's yeah. tied to the direct revenue stream. Right. And especially because 2020 has been so weird and the bands aren't on tour, and a lot of bands are choosing not to release records because some bands are releasing them, but others aren't because they can't tour, which is how they make their money. Right. So for me, A, because there's no time limit, I can talk about whatever I want for as long as I want on the podcast now, and because there's no tour to talk about, Mm. it's allowed me to be able to have these more human conversations about sobriety and about um there's a couple of trends that that have really come out in the podcast especially when i talk to musicians number one there is an extraordinary amount of rock stars that come from um families where their dads were a veteran 
oh. which is which is really weird that I never really noticed that before. Right. It's long been my theory that rock stars are predestined to have beautiful daughters, and we call it rock star revenge because rock stars <laughs> hook up with hot chicks, and then the punishment for being a rock star and being you know, that way is that right. you get a beautiful daughter that then forces you to look at the world through a woman's eyes. Oh, that's funny. And then one of the other trends that has come out for a long time, and it goes back to what you're talking about, and Kevin Costner is a perfect example. It always seems to be that musicians want to be actors, right? Yeah. Actors want to be athletes. Athletes yeah. want to be musicians. And it's those three <laughs> right. things. And Kevin Costner is all three. Yeah. Because he's such a baseball guy yeah. and such a sports guy, yeah. yet he's also a musician and he's also an actor. And yeah. he's that guy that does all three in yeah. this really strange yeah. way. Yeah, and he makes them all work and relate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's great. I mean, the podcast has been great because you get to talk to people you normally wouldn't get to talk to. Um, By the way, I don't mean to be whatever. I got to do a call it too so i'm gonna have to wrap this up yeah yeah, yeah. no problem i'm sorry um it's okay but um yeah i you know i just think that you know i, I i'm i'm kind of particular about who i have on because i i don't want to waste the opportunity you know to just um that's why i'll have some more obscure kind of people i had the woman that could survive the ted bundy attack like i it's just so it's like, crazy it's like like uh, my like who can i talk to that i wouldn't necessarily get a chance to talk to about something that i care about you know well that's so. what's great about podcast too is that because it's this on-demand thing someone can look through the list on the right. paul mercurio podcast and go that's really interesting that's really interesting well, i don't know if that one's right. for me but this is and they can make that choice about oh well i want to listen to this one and i want to listen to this one right. but it's coming through your filter as an interesting person that looks at the world in a certain way yeah i'm trying and i try yeah. to do the same thing too oh yeah to but give and, people and that perspective on things you do and you're really smart and you you tie things together really well too and yet and you and you make it entertaining and you're fun like it's the you have the complete package, I think, as someone who hosts a show because, like, you know, I could listen to you talk to a dog catcher. You know what I mean? Like, it's just because you'll make it interesting and fun. And I th always feel like the questions you come up with are are not something. I think I always feel every question you ask is like you really care about the person and the question you're asking. And it's not just all right. I came up with this list of five questions. Let's let me get through it. You know. And well, uh, that was always the. You know, people would always say in the music business or in radio, you know, this is business, it's not personal. Mm. And my argument to that was always, well, it might not be personal for the people behind the scenes, right? The mm. the salespeople, the accounting people, but it is personal for the person behind the microphone because we're part of the product and and the ratings are direct it's a popularity contest so mm. you're directly it's whether or not the person listening likes you or not mm. if that's not personal it's the same thing with what you do with stand-up comedy or you know with mm. podcasting it's like people are making the the, the decision mm. to give you their hard-earned money and their time mm. to go and see you perform or to listen to your podcast if that's not personal yeah I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. It exactly. is personal. Yeah. And I understand that business decisions need to be made and all of that. But at the end of the day, we're in the person business. Yeah. And the people listening can, uh, you got to give your, you got to give a lot of props to your listeners and respect them. And they know if it's, if it's bullshit, they, they can read through very quickly. They're very perceptive. So like if you, yeah. if it's coming off like it's business, if that's what you believe is the broadcaster or the people managing the broadcast, 
that's going to come through to the people at home and they're just going to, you know, you're not going to have a disconnect. That's why you're so great. Cause it doesn't come off like business. Oh, it comes off like you. you really care. Well, before I let you go, yes. I just want to make sure that we put the plug in, obviously, um, you know, Colbert has figured out a way yeah. to keep the show going. Yeah. We're looking forward to having an audience again so we can get in front of an audience and do that. And uh, How hard has that been to write yeah, for a uh, show that you normally is? Yeah. Well, I mean, the writers are doing a great and... job. I mean, it's like I, I'm not really doing much of the writing right now, but I basically, you know, in, it, 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 I, I think that the writing is still like we had to do that on The Daily Show. There were times when we didn't have an audience because of something going on. He's still writing and pulling from the facts of the world, you know. It's just hard not getting a, a, a I think, a, you know, it's weird as a performer to not get that audience reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the I thing tell that, the bands with all the live stream concerts they're doing, mm -hmm. and it's kind of the same way with you. You are now learning what it's like to be a radio DJ. Because yes. all you're doing is talking out, but you're not getting anything back, which is what it's like to be on the radio. So for me, right. it's not that foreign of a concept. But when you're used to having an audience that's live that will laugh at your jokes or clap at the end of a song, and that's not there, it's like, huh? And with me, if I told a joke on the air, I never got the laugh on the other yeah, end. Yeah, so that's true. That's I true. don't notice it in the same way as being something that's missing that you guys do. So yeah, it's no, it's interesting the it, way it, you guys have been able to ebb and flow it, with the challenges. It, yeah, it's definitely different, you know. And um, and you know, I'm I'm doing stuff on my YouTube channel, and I've been posting different videos. And you know, I did a little video series called "Our Na Our Long La National Nightmare," and uh, like just like same thing, like you are used to being a performer and hearing that reaction. And so, but it's been fun to do the videos and sort of put, you know, production value in them and stuff like that. And basically have another medium, you know, in addition to live performing, which I can't do much of now. And, you know, obviously doing the podcast and I feel like, you know, um, it's just been a nice way. And I think all doing all sorts of different types of performing, makes all the other performing better. Like I think it all relates, you know, yeah. like, so it's good. Yeah. It's well, just, I know I need to let you go and it's I'm either sorry, your phone yeah. ringing or the batteries are low in your butt plug. One of the two. So why are you hearing something? Something's going. Oh, wait, sorry. Hang on. That, so somebody's trying to get a hold of you or you need to change the batteries. One of the two. No, I'm just putting it on. Uh, I just put it on airplane. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but, it's the Mistress Carrie podcast, Paul. I, you think I care I, about background? I, Come on. I love talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Um, it was so great to catch up. Thank yeah. you for being so candid with all of your struggles with COVID. I thought it was really interesting and really <laughs> important for people to hear yeah. a different perspective from someone that's going through. Yeah. I'm just, time. yeah. And again, I'm not trying to lecture anybody. I just, no. I'm just very adamant about don't, don't uh, do whatever you do. Take it seriously. That's all. Yeah. That's all. I don't care about anything else, but don't you, you, you know, cause I don't know what's going to happen to me around the corner and that's, that's not a good place to be, but it is what it is. But yeah, yeah well, let's do this again soon. I, I would like, and I'm going to bring you in the war room some night. Yeah. I'd love to do that. That would be, that awesome. would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Love you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me on. And uh, YouTube.com slash Paul Mercurio is where they can check out my uh, thing, my uh, pot, my my stuff I've been posting. By the I'll way. put all the links in the show notes of the podcast, awesome. too, so make it easy for people to find right. you. Okay. I'll see you. You look great. There he is, Paul Mercurio. We seem to cram everything from COVID-19 to 
dog's testicles and pasta sauce and everything in between into one podcast episode. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything, including the situation reports that come out Monday through Friday with all your music and rock headlines and news. And if you don't mind, leaving a five-star review and a comment helps spread the word on the Mistress Carrie podcast. 98 countries strong and growing. This episode and every other episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast is featured on mistresscarrie.com, along with the online store, the photo galleries, the event calendar, and my blog. And speaking of mistresscarrie.com, this episode sponsored by mistresscarrie.com and also Digital Federal Credit Union or DCU that you can find them at dcu.org. If you're looking for Paul Mercurio, you can find all of the links to all of his social media pages in the show notes of this podcast. And also you can just search for the Paul Mercurio show anywhere that you listen to podcasts to hear all of his episodes. And if you're looking for me, you can find me every Tuesday night at 830 live on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. 